We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to another episode of Off the Carousel here on the Field of 68, and I'm thrilled to be joined today by a guy I've known for a long time, the new head coach at Holy Cross, none other than Dave Paulson. Dave, what's going on, man? Happy to have you here. Congratulations on the new job. Thank you, Rob. It's great, great, to, great to be on and great to be at Holy Cross. Great school. I've had tremendous uh, respect for Holy Cross from afar. And uh, even more respect now that I've had a chance to be here for a couple months. So, so talk me through why Holy Cross was the place that you decided to uh, to take the job at. Well, you know, um, one, you know, the tradition of success here. You know, Bob Cousy played here. There's national championship banner. There's NIT championship banner, and then there's just been phenomenal players and success here. Um, and then I think the second thing is it fits me. You know, I think where uh, I had the most success and, and where I had the most personal fulfillment uh, was was coaching in the Patriot League when I was a head coach at Bucknell. Um, and I think the opportunity to build like a super, super competitive team, a team that hopefully wins Patriot League championships and is, is uh, regionally and nationally relevant at a place where you understand the whole big picture of academic and athletic success. I think it's a blend. Uh, I love the kids I'm able to coach here. And, and I think that, you know, I think the future is really bright. So you mentioned your time at Bucknell, you were there for, I believe it was seven seasons. I think you won four Patriot league regular season titles. You made a couple NCAA tournaments. Uh, You guys were the program in the Patriot league when you were at Bucknell. So what is it going to take for you to be able to, to bring Holy cross to have that level of success? Well, I mean, I think I think we have some of the ingredients already. Um, uh, we have tradition. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have the academic pedigree, you know, uh, like just a, a transformational academic experience for the guys. Um, what's changed since I coached in this league is the facility upgrades at Holy Cross, which are nothing short of extraordinary. Uh, the practice facility uh, is state-of-the-art. Uh, unbelievable weight room, um, film room. Uh, So, you know, you can tell where commitment is by where money goes. And there's a commitment to to be really, really good. Um, And and so then it comes down to, you know, we got to get the right guys on the team, you know, and, 
And you got to recruit really good players who embrace what Holy Cross is. And I think we've got a really good staff. Uh, it's going to take us a little bit of time. Like we, we need to upgrade our roster to be quite candid. Um, but I like some of the improvements we've made even since April, since I've gotten here. And, and uh, I, I think, I think we can do it. So I think what's really interesting about you getting back in um, as a head coach is that your your time when you were at Fordham kind of spans like the changing eras of college basketball, right? Your last two years at Mason, one got canceled because of the, the COVID season. The other one was a COVID year where there were no fans and travel restrictions and games were good. It was just, it was a very weird year in college basketball. Now you come back and you got NIL, you got immediately eligible transfers. You got to spend your whole day in the portal. Um, does it feel different now being a head coach compared to what it was uh, back in like 2020 and 2021? Well, I think it's different. I think the environment's different. Uh, but I think the main, I think the most important thing is you got to make the main thing the main thing. And the main thing still is and needs to be uh, finding really good kids who fit your culture who are good players and coaching them to be as good as you can be. I think it may, it remains to be seen. Uh, I would like for Holy Cross to be portal resistant. I don't think we can be portal proof. I don't think that's a thing uh, anymore, but can we be as portal resistant where we're recruiting kids who are not just coming here for a basketball experience? Basketball is really, really important and pivotal but so is the academic experience. So is the career uh, mentoring and, and networking opportunities. Um, and, and so the goal is you do that and you, you give those kids the absolute best experience in that one year as you can. Um, I don't know, you, you know, the, the evolution, the development of guys for four years, you know, I don't know. Would, would a Mike Muscal have stayed at Bucknell in the immediate eligibility in NIL era you know, I don't know, um, but I'm sure a lot of schools would have been able to throw a lot of money his way that uh, wasn't the case at the time. So, you know, I don't know if anyone can really say for sure they know how the the NIL uh, landscape, what it's going to look like in two or three years. You know, I do think, um, you know, we're, we're going to be aggressive uh, and, and figure out a way to make us really competitive in a way that fits with the mission of Holy Cross and, and what that is and how it works itself out, you know, is, is still for sure a work in progress. So you mentioned Mike Muscala, and I do think that is a, uh, a fascinating talking point um, when it comes to programs that are at like the Patriot leagues level, right? That's what high majors do. They go down, they find the best guys They go look and see who's averaging 17 points per game on a team that finished third in this conference. And eh, you know what? We need someone in that spot. Let's go get them. How do you, how do you navigate as the, uh, that as a coach? Is it something where you're going to say, "Look, we are going to develop you, and if a bigger program comes along, then they're going to scoop you up, and you can get better players that way"? Or is it something where um, you just kind of have to deal with it as a coach? Like, what what is your mindset when it comes to um, to to dealing with that? I think the goal. I, no, I don't want to develop them and let them <laughs> be scooped up um, for sure. Uh, and I think the goal is uh, that we have such a tight bond that they can see the pathway to player development uh, 
Uh, they can see a system that fits them. They can see a relationship with the coaching staff. And I think they, they can see an alumni community that you can join that, you know, to some degree, our big NIL money is going to come after graduation. You know, that's what Holy Cross graduates have gone on to exceptional careers. We want to be competitive in that space, um, you know, while they're in college, uh, for sure. And then I think, you know, to be quite candid with you, Rob, I get to talk to my own personal experience. Like, I did what I'm going to try to encourage those guys not to do. Where I left the Patriot League, I went to the Atlantic 10, um, and I was the most fulfilled. I had the best fit in the Patriot League. And so I think fit is really, really important. And certainly there's enough cautionary tales of the guy who leaves the Patriot League or similarly situated conference goes to the power five and, you know, the minutes are way down. The stats are way down. There's been plenty of studies. We'll, we'll have, we'll have all the analytics for those guys, you know, when they're in potential being poached. So you mentioned uh, your, your time at Mason not being the best fit. What I think is really interesting about your career and one of the reasons why I really respect uh, respect you is I don't think you were a, an assistant coach since 1990, if I'm not mistaken, right? You've been a head yeah. coach for a very long time. And then after you, you lost the job at Mason, you went back and you took a special assistant job at Fordham, and then you were an assistant this past season. Why did you decide to to kind of get back in at that level? A lot of guys in your shoes might just hang it up, might just say, you know what, I'm going to go be a real estate developer now. I'm going to go do something else. Why did you Why did you decide to get back in? Have you been talking to my wife? Uh, <laughs> she, she had the exact same question. Um, you know what? And I did a lot of soul searching. Um, this is what I love to do. You know, this is what I think I've been called to do. Uh, I go to work in shorts and a t-shirt every day. I'm coaching basketball, I'm thinking basketball. Um, but beyond that, you know, you, you like to think I've had a chance to impact the lives of young people. Um, and so it's what I love to do. And when uh, when I was let go at Mason, I said, okay, I want to continue to learn and grow. And to me, the the two best programs and coaches on the Eastern Seaboard just from where I sat, uh, were Jay Wright and Tony Bennett. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, can I learn from either Jay Wright or Tony Bennett? Um, and that didn't avail itself. I'm like, all right, next best thing is to learn, you know, from one of their disciples. And so the opportunity to work with Kyle uh, Neptune at Fordham um, was, was, you know, a fascinating experience for me. It was fun. Uh, it was reinvigorating. Um, after 27 years of kind of being my own boss and, um, you know, kind of learning whatever learning I did was kind of ad hoc, you know, going to a clinic or watch a video or a round tabling with other coaches, but to really immerse myself in a different way of doing things was fascinating. And then the chance uh, the next year to work uh, as an assistant for Keith Ergo and, and 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 watch what he did, which was in in all honesty as good a coaching job uh, as been done in uh, certainly in the A10 um, for Fordham to win 25 games uh, and finish tied for second in the A10 is like a phenomenal experience. So it was really uh, hopefully I was able to have some impact in a positive way 
on the program, but I know I grew and benefited from it way more than I would have ever imagined. Yeah. Keith is one of my favorite guys to watch on the sideline because he always has on those really fancy shoes. And when he starts like running up and down the sideline, you could see him like sliding on the shoes on the court. It's always uh, entertaining to watch him. I think calling him a ball of energy is probably a fair way to to phrase it. Is that, does that sound right? He makes coffee nervous. You know what I mean? I mean, he's, he's got a ton of energy. He's exciting. And it's so funny when I would talk to my former assistant coaches you know, who all thought I was a little bit insane at the time. I'm like, yeah, I got to get, keep Ergo to stay calm. And they're like, <laughs> what? You're, you're the guy who has to be keeping him calm. But it, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun and he's done a phenomenal job there. Our partner for today's episode is athletic greens. I started taking AG one during the college basketball season and I loved the impact that it had on my energy levels. I'm a big coffee in the morning guy, but by the time that the afternoon would hit, I needed another boost. AG1 helped me tremendously, especially on those days when I didn't want to get up off the couch and go hit the gym. Their tagline is AG1 is comprehensive health and the power of habit in one. And man, that could not be more true. It's nearly impossible to eat and drink in a healthy manner in the month of February and the month of March when you are in my business. And AG1 was exactly the supplement that I needed to improve my gut health and cover my nutritional bases for the day. I've continued that into April. I've continued that into May, and I'm going to continue that the rest of the summer. All I have to do is mix a scoop of AG1 with some water or maybe add it into a smoothie and I'm ready to go. Do it after lunch and you'll be ready to go for the rest of the day. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com backslash field68. That's field68, F-I-E-L-D, the number six, the number eight, and you can get yours now. So check it out and help support this show. Thanks. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
what did you what did you learn like what did you did you learn anything about yourself did you learn anything about the profession did you have like any epiphanies realizations going back to being the guy one seat down on the bench um you know i mean in the process of being one seat down but also even just like contemplating what am i going to do is like okay what's really important like and i am uber competitive i want to win uh i think you know i'm laser focused all the time uh and recruiting and coaching but at the end it's just like it's the relationships you build with the kids. Um, it's why I coach. And I think sometimes you always need that jolt of reality. Okay, why do you really coach? It's so easy to get caught up in the thick of thin things and and trying to got to win this game or do this film prep or whatever, get that next recruit. Um, so I think that was good. And I think um, so that was an epiphany, if you will. Uh, I think. I hope, I think I'll be a little more patient as a head coach now um, because sometimes as assistant coach or, or as an advisor, things would drive me crazy, but it wasn't my place to lose my, to lose my head. And, um, you know, I, I saw that like sometimes the best thing to do is just let things resolve themselves. So I think I'll be a little more patient. Uh, and certainly one thing, that I think is clear that was a staple of Jay Wright's program and Kyle and, and Keith uh, have certainly embraced it is just spending quality time with the guys on the team outside of the basketball and how important it is and how important the team building aspect is to have a successful program. I think it's the comparison between Holy Cross and Fordham um, is really interesting because they both uh, – Correct me if I'm wrong, but they're both kind of in the same situation, right? Not necessarily the uh, most recent success when it comes to college basketball. A lot of tradition when it comes to what the program's been. And they're also programs in cities that have a lot of other stuff to do. And what Keith did, getting people invigorated about the program and excited about the program and bringing people in. I mean, Fordham, it, for people that don't watch A-10 basketball, Fordham was the best environment in the sport that included VCU and included Dayton uh, in that conference. Um, how do you do that with, with Holy Cross? And what did you, what are you taking with you from that experience and how you kind of develop the, the fan base and the support in the home environment? Well, and you're right. Like when I coached in the A-10, and we would go to Fordham to save time. We would just have the fans introduce themselves as starting five because there was nobody <laughs> there. And by the end, I mean, those kids uh, were camped out um, for two hours before the game. Uh, there may or may not have been some adult beverages served. I don't know. Um, it certainly smelled like it when they came into Rose Hill. Um, and, you know, there are a lot of factors. One, you know, one, Rose Hill is a small environment. So, like, to me, it's perfect. I mean, they were doing some renovations, so they only see, sat 1,800. But that was a phenomenal atmosphere. Um, you know, I think Keith was was really, really good about engaging uh, the alumni community, which is something I've spent a lot of time uh, doing uh, now. I do think here in Worcester there is a – uh, active Worcester community that really wants to see the men's basketball program have success. But I think the untapped potential here at Holy Cross that Keith really tapped into 
at Fordham was the student body presence. And part of it was something as simple as we had a couple of senior managers who lived in a in a house with some other guys and they just coerced them into coming and 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 Keith bought them t-shirts and then they took the shirts off and they became the shirtless herd and and it just became a party atmosphere. It it was to me I'm like that's what college athletics should be for the the players but also for the just the normal student who went to Fordham they had so much fun at those games and that's what college athletics should be and and hopefully we'll be able to do that by engaging with the student body here yeah I, I remember we went down to Texas to Austin last year um early in the season and just kind of saw their new arena and and talking with Chris Beard like his his theories and ideas about getting students involved um, his biggest thing is you got to make it be like the party place to be. You got to make it be the thing that that you can't miss, right? So that's where students actually want to be instead of being like, hey, you want to go to the game? Yeah, we're going to the game. This is going to be uh, the best environment. All right. One thing I do want to push back on you on, you said that you had uh, your most success when you were at Bucknell. You won a national championship when you were at Williams. You were at Williams when I, when I got to Vassar. And Williams was the program. They were the one that everyone was looking up like, oh, yeah, you know what? I wonder if we could ever be that good. You won a national title in 2003. You made the national title game in 2004. You had a stretch of two seasons where you went 61 and three. So you know what the highest level of Division three basketball is, Dave. I want to ask you this. How much of a difference is there between that level of Division three and Division one basketball, in your opinion? Um. You know, the best kids in Division Three can play very, very well uh, in, in in Division One. certainly in the Patriot League. There's, there's no question about it. Um, in fact, there was a kid from Middlebury who was doing a fifth year, but we don't have graduate school. Uh, I would 100% have tried to recruit that kid. When I was at Williams, we took our team to Holy Cross in the fall of 2003 after we won the national championship. And we beat Holy Cross. And the two best players on the floor that night were Mike Crotty and Ben Coffin, uh, you know, our senior captains. Um, and it wasn't close. Now, would they have been the best players as freshmen? No. I mean, uh, a lot of the difference really comes down to size, um, you know, whether it be a couple inches or, uh, you know, 10 or 15 pounds. And so in, in that case, Mike Crotty and Ben Coffin – we're able to play all the time as freshmen, sophomores, juniors play through mistakes. And so they had that confidence uh, going against maybe a little bit bigger, faster, stronger guys. But that's the, that's the difference really is, you know, and, and, it, and that's probably the only difference between uh, Patriot League play and A-10 play. The best kids in the Patriot League can be phenomenal players in the A-10, um, you know, without a doubt. Um, you know, but it's just a matter of maybe, uh, an inch or two, uh, or 10 or 15 pounds. Yeah. So the NBA playoffs this year was just littered with guys that had unconventional paths to the NBA. Derek White started a division two. Haywood Highsmith was division two player of the year. I believe, uh, Max Struess started out in division two before going to DePaul. Jimmy Butler was at a small little Juco in Texas. The biggest name though, the one that everyone's going to know. Duncan Robinson from Williams, your alma mater. Does it feel weird 
saying that you shared the alma mater with a guy that is out there dropping 10 points in the quarter in the NBA finals. I think you should ask Duncan Robinson if it's weird <laughs> to share it with the head coach at Holy Cross. I think, no, um, you know, it's cool. It's really cool. And that's a cautionary tale to me because I watched him play for Mike Karate. He was only getting Division three interest. I was at Bucknell. Uh, and Mike wasn't mentioning him. But I'm like, that kid's got the best jump shot I've ever seen. But he was really skinny. Um, and he was not moving his feet to defend at all. And if I had more guts, I would have tried to recruit him. And we would have gotten him at Bucknell because, you know, there, that was the only Division One. And I recruited for a need. You know, I recruited for a positional need for a guy who ended up being, you know, average at best. So I always use the Duncan Robinson story um, uh, to my staff, like, I don't care who other people are recruiting. And, like, we see a guy we think is going to be really good. Like, just got to trust our gut. But it's a really cool story. And especially for Duncan Robinson, who had great success. And then last year didn't play as much. His role was smaller. And we're like, oh, is he going to keep going and prospering? And he had a phenomenal playoff. Mm -hmm. He's a guy that uh, is – a great example to use for coaches for just perseverance and keep trying to keep pushing and keep believing in yourself. All right. Last question I got for you. It's kind of open-ended, but uh, you played division three basketball. You spent 14 years as a head coach outside of the division one ranks before you got your first uh, division one head coaching job. What do you still carry with you from those lower levels now that you are a division one coach? Well, I think, number one, what I look for in recruiting is players who absolutely love the game. If you play Division three basketball, you're playing because you love the game. You know, you're not getting a scholarship. Uh, you're not on national TV. And, you know, I, I think one of our, our pillars is passion. You know, and so to me, I do not want to recruit or coach kids who don't absolutely love the game. And that's something that we really try to factor in. Uh, in the recruiting process. And then I think the second thing that happens in division three, you can't work with your players outside of the regular season. And so it's really incumbent upon your, your veteran leaders to quote unquote, run the program in the off season, you know, and how they structure the pickup games and, and some of the workouts really determines the success of your program. And I think to me, uh, where our teams have had success at the Division One level is where we can become a player-led program. That's where we're going to have the most success. If it's a coach-led program, we can only get so far. But when the players own that locker room and when the players own the pickup games and when the players are holding each other accountable, then you have something special. And I think, truthfully, Division Three basketball um, – can set an example for the rest of Division One in terms of those two aspects. Dave, always appreciate your insight. Always appreciate catching up with you. Congrats on the job, man. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Rob.